Welcome to Wild and Exposed. Your number one adventure, nature, and outdoor photography podcast. Wild and Exposed is hosted by Mike Morrow, Ron Hayes, Jason Loftus, and Mark Raycroft. Thanks for tuning in. You are so beautiful to me. It's great to see you guys. We got that. Can't you see? This is like a <laughs> Mr. Rogers neighborhood. You got to take off your flannel, Mark, and hang it in the closet. Put on your slippers. Oh, yeah, you got to get up and put on a hanger. I'm here now. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Rogers. I don't, know wh- I don't know why, but I ended up watching a, a marathon of Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood with Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live. Nice. Yeah, so good. Oh, man. Uh, Eddie, that dude was funny. One of the best ever. <laughs> yeah. That's, yep. that's worth watching again and again. Oh, yeah. What's yep. up, fellas? Edit, 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 edit. That's your tune these days? That's my tune. And you're a professional uh, what sitter and TV screen watcher, computer screen watcher? Computer screen watcher. Not Light a professional room, library editor. Library maker. I, I am getting pretty handy with Lightroom. And you have a whole new skill set in file management. I do, yes. Now if I can just manage to get it all edited, I would be a you don't happy have camper. To. That does it happens by itself. If you see it on a hard drive long enough, it'll be edited. That's where you're wrong. They don't they don't want to hand over the paychecks until the work is done. I don't know what it is about that. Pretty stingy that way. So do you want to tell us about what happened, Ron, with your Lightroom library? Is there a learning point there? There is. Do not, do not, under any circumstances, leave your video files in the folder that you're importing into Lightroom because it takes what should be about, oh, uh, maybe 150 to 200 gigabyte for the couple hundred thousand, 300,000 images I have, turns it into about 1.5 terabytes for just the library that doesn't doesn't include the files it's just pointing to where everything is but if you leave the, the uh, videos in there it'll screw your system up pretty good so I had to move everything and basically what I was going to do is just move my library um, what I decided to do was just move everything file it all by year and then uh, you know keep my the family stuff and wildlife stuff separated and then re-import everything, which is a time suck. But I think in the long haul, it's going to be worth it to have the library located where I want it and um, get those video files cleaned out and I can make it more manageable. But I couldn't edit anything. It just would completely lock me up. It slowed down to, you know, it was like I was using a one megabyte of ram on my computer and uh it it had me completely locked up so i had to i couldn't even attempt to edit video so i had to get everything moved and then uh just recreate the library is what i chose to do yeah that's interesting because i've never i don't do a ton of videos so i'm probably that sure that's probably a part of it but i've never had a problem and i and i just bring them in all together with my photos and videos yeah. for my card and Never, never had a problem yet. Doesn't mean I won't. But yeah. do you have multiple Lightroom libraries, or do you just do one? I have multiple. There's no doubt. I have, 
you know, I've got library, I don't know how many different ones I have, but it, it'll roll revisions of the library. Not revisions, that's not the right, but versions, sorry. Yeah, I'm but sorry. like, so do you do like, uh, let's say Deer is one library and Elk is another library? Oh, or 2021 no, no, no. is one, 2020 is another? No, that's a really good idea. That'd be really smart. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> well, I can um, help you with but that. But I've never done that. Okay, good, good. <laughs> but it just depends on how prolific of a shooter you are. I mean, and if you, you're going to hit a, a point somewhere where it's just going to load it up. And then your your Lightroom library ends up being too big and it's too the computers aren't fast enough to deal with that information. So I've gotten to the point now that for every job everything i do i make a brand new library i don't even have one main library anymore and it's just easier and faster and i just know if the images are here the lightroom library for those images will be on that same drive and i just do it there it's not conducive to pulling a lot of images from that span several years because it's not all in one place but i don't do that too much anymore so i guess it works for the moment I'll tell you the, what the biggest time suck was, was keywording back those files before I started keywording. I'm working on this book project. And so I, I'm using the keywords to be able to identify, you know, what, uh, what I want to keep track of and holy smokes going back through those old folders. Fortunately, I sucked going way back. So there's not a lot that's going to be usable, but there, there were uh, there were several that I had to just completely start over with the keywording on. Do I what, Mike? Well, that's a good thing too, right? Every year you get better and you get better right. images, or you got different gear or whatever. And it's at a certain yeah. point, it's just a lost leader to yeah. have all that old old stuff. Good conversation. I'm going to keep it in the podcast. How about you, Raycroft? Raycroft got a haircut. Raycroft's making making notes for tonight's podcast and listening to you guys with interest in one ear. I'm different. You guys know that with the this storage. I don't use Lightroom. What? And so I put them all in folders. And every trip, every main subject gets its own new folder of RAWs. And I base out of that into Bridge and into Camera Raw and into Photoshop. And then I create a secondary folder with the same name. So 2021 Moose will be uh, RAWs, 2021 Moose TIFFs, and 2021 Moose JPEGs will be the primary folders. And those are all in the, a larger folder for 2021 RAW, 20, and uh, 2021 TIFFs, and 2021 JPEGs. So to me, it's just been a keep it simple. That's a logical workflow for... To, for me to remember and keep track of without a built library like you guys are discussing, which I, I'm. Well, it's the library is where all of the, uh, the folders, I store them the same way as you. I have the, the folder dated and then by subject type, that kind of thing. Um, but then the folders is where I store or the library, excuse me, is where Lightroom points to the folder. So it's, it's pretty much the same process. You just import it in there, and then you can pull it up whenever you want. I guess that's the difference is the Im importing of the images, whereas the software I use, I just click on the drive, and then it will show all the folders, whether it's a list, whether it's an icon, and I click on the appropriate folder I'm looking to work in and access the visuals that way. 
but I, I've never really got into Lightroom, so I, I imagine what it's like for you guys, but not experiencing it that way, I'm not sure. Different strokes for different folks. Something like That's that. That's fact, Johnny. Welcome, well, we Johnny. have not been together for a while. I don't remember what movie that was from. Oh, it was... Uh, oh, shoot. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to think of it because I won't. It's that one. It's that one movie, but the teacher called everybody Johnny. Wasn't everybody was Where's Johnny? Where's Johnny? Wasn't it a... I don't know. Anyway. That was here's Johnny. Kind of movie. Here's Johnny. Okay, here's Johnny. I don't yeah. know. That's just triggering my mind. Not that I've seen the movie. All right, back back to our content. <laughs> Before I get us in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time since we've all been able to have one of these catch-up podcasts. So this is it's kind of nice to have everybody back in one spot. And is that Mark what we're is... doing tonight is a catch-up? No. Well, we are catching we up, but we're primarily catching up on... Your trip and and Mark's trip. We are just asking questions. You guys are <laughs> answering. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you guys have had some amazing stuff going on that you're going to get us all up on. Mark's been swimming with the caribou and Mike's been driving. Driving. Now we're doing this in in a two part, right? I think it is that's, going to end up by the time we get done. Yeah. I think it's going to end up being two parts. Yes. Is it? I am pretty That's sure the plan. we kind of did a little bit of a catch up the other night uh, as far as what everybody's been up to. But the uh, the primary thing, I guess we want to talk about Mark's been missing in action for I had somebody that commented on the uh, Instagram page, the Wild and Exposed Instagram page, and we were doing a catch up and they said something like, well, that's great, but where's Mark? And I replied to him, you tell us and we'll both know because we have no idea. Mark vanished off the face of the planet into the Canadian bush for I don't know how long. About a month and a half. So where six months. Where all were you? Mr. Raycroft. I saw that on Instagram. I, I and that was Joel Evans from Australia, I think, who put that out there. And I I was, was it? in the field and it was one of the rare opportunities that I checked back in on social media and saw that. And that was a laugh out loud moment where I just moved on. It's like, <laughs> but it was, yeah, I, I checked out really for, I was gone for six weeks, but checked out of social media for a month simply due to living life, you know, and I enjoy the daily engagement on social media, but honestly it was nice to have that break. And from pre-dawn to at night being busy with photography and being out in the wilderness takes priority and it was a great reset and with what everybody knows the past year and a half or two has been like well year and a half it's uh was awesome freaking awesome to be gone for six weeks in the wild and and doing what i love to do and off the grid far away remote areas i mean a month of the trip we were in areas where there was virtually we'd see people but not while we were out filming it was just us in remote areas with wildlife and it was just pristine and quiet and tranquil and magical and obviously things don't happen all the time but you know pilly my wife and i it was just a, a great reset there's so many subtleties little things the fresh air, the smells of the of the wilderness, 
the evergreens, the, the tundra, just everything kind of just resets what humanity should be in my mind. And so it was, it was great. And then I was apologetically to you guys, my brothers and to the audience, uh, MIA for a while, but it's, it's one of these things as, as wildlife photographers, we, we do have destinations where we can keep up with some content and interaction, but as professionals, we can't necessarily build these portfolios to maintain a livelihood without just checking out and focusing wink, you know, pure, purely on that for periods of time. So it was, yeah, I, it was amazing to get back to it for an extended period of time. And, um, yeah, can't put words to the importance of it. And I, I know our audience, it resonates with everybody out there who enjoys time and wilderness. And it's not until, you, you know, we've talked about it from the get go of the podcast. We, you know, used to put it the 10 day thing where you get in the rhythm of a place, but I'll tell you, if you can stay even longer, if, if that opportunity is there, and of course it doesn't, it's not something we all have privilege to. We, we still spend most of the year editing and marketing as you'll hear for the next few months from my desk, but if the more time you get out there, the the more grounded and amazing an experience can be. And it wasn't initially supposed to be six weeks. It was supposed to be a little over a month, but uh, the second leg of our trip was in Newfoundland. And it's one of those destinations where they say you can have four seasons in one day. And obviously when you're there for a period of time with certain subjects in mind, the weather doesn't always cooperate. And there middle of our trip there were a lot of rainy days and we saw the extended forecast looking brilliant and so it's like yeah we just got to stay and, and wait this out and it was definitely worth doing that for that component of the trip for newfoundland but so i won't ask specifically where you were at but i know you you headed west to the rockies correct right yeah we spent two weeks in the northern rockies i was able to do that last year as well it was a trip the only trip uh, i think i went far out of out of province during covid and it was certainly very quiet uh, in 2020 but uh, it was still quiet in 2021 and was fantastic for everything going on out there um it's, you know, it's something was different this year was more multimedia mindset for these trips. It's interesting for all these years of being, uh, you know, a professional photographer, the sole purpose was to collect still images for marketing, whatever it might be, primarily stock. And nowadays that's still um, the primary purpose, but there's so many other motivations or motivators to collect footage as well and so it was a fun but different experience this year by basically shooting carrying four devices in a sense so i was shooting stills i was and this is we're going to open this up so many people have been messaging me over the months nikon canon r5 what then they're shooting video with the r5 and getting that dialed in while also shooting video with my smartphone and the capabilities of that continue to impress me for B-roll, for YouTube, for storytelling, which en engages me more and more, more frequently. And then there's action camera stuff, which I love. 
And so it's a matter of trying to wrestle enthusiastically with all of those in the same space at the same time. And Pilly played a big role in a lot of this, but it's still a tremendous challenge now compared to what the industry used to be. It was just do your best to get the still photos, the best still photos that we can to market. But now it's like, oh man, that, that fight or that, that scene, the fog rolled in over the river. Can we get still photos? Can we get video? Can we get you know, time-lapse? Can we get an action camera? There's a thrill to accomplishing each of those goals, but it's such an adrenaline rush and challenge in a, in a somewhat of frustrating way to try and get them all because you can't, you know, two people. If you have a crew, then game on. Everybody's got their device, their responsibility. If you have four or five people creating content, but to do it with one or two people, you know, we might get lucky and get the stills and an action camera sequence, but not the video. And the R5, I mean, Michael was uh, bang on from the shooting I've done. I, I first rolled out handheld gunslinging type guy with his R5 and some of it worked fine, but the, the quantity of, of material I had wanted to collect my, for these trips, I had to anchor down on the tripod too. There was just no way. And then, so let me take one step back and talk about the R5, if that's okay. Canon, I'd ordered it in June. It arrived, the, the camera was in stock was waiting for me for like six or eight weeks for the whole summer it was there but i ordered the one to 500 to go with it that's that was the combination that's the kit the lightweights um well combination that i wanted to shoot with for a whole list of reasons through all the research and discussions that we've had on previous podcasts the lens arrived one day before the trip the day before so we drove an hour each way picked it up but the the struggle with that was there's no time to learn it and it's game on when we get in the field this is our job we need to produce content how do i trust this new stuff versus the nikon that i've always had and feels just like an extension of me i don't even think about operating the 850. so we get the canon where i'm totally stoked excited everything's there i've done some preliminary menu setups through some youtube um, channels that i watched and then I had some great friends out there in the Rockies. R5 is a common camera. Sat down with me side by side. Went through their menus. Everything's good, right? So it's about maybe the fifth day of the trip. I'm going to park the Nikon. I'm going to use the Canon. I've done a couple of quick videos. Everything seems okay. And then I hit to take photos and the camera errors. And I'm like, what's this? And it was, I think it was error 70. And so all my good friends that were out there on this trip, you know, and thanks to everybody who did questions for the show. We've run one of those episodes. And it was so much fun to film those in the field with other photographers. But they all did this recording. What is error 70, Mark? What is error 70? Well, apparently it was a motherboard error. And the R5 that had been waiting for me all summer for this lens was defective. And I'm halfway through my trip. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I want to collect video and you know this whole hybrid idea of shooting stills and video with this kit so we had to park it uh thankfully the retailer i bought it from had one more in stock and he sent it courier cross country 
and we would have it in a couple of days. Well, the courier service took six days with no explanation. It was the day before we were leaving, the replacement arrived. I'm like, oh. So it was bad luck. Um, of course, the courier reimbursed the fee, but that doesn't help all the days that were missed shooting. And we got some play in with it. So it wasn't really till the second trip that I started with the new, the newer, the properly working R5. And I'll get more into that as we talk about the trips. At the end of the day, all the frustration with missing what I was filming in the Rockies, what has happened with the, the R5 I'm using now on the trip in Newfoundland, I love it. My mind's blown with, with some of the stuff it's doing. And something that's interesting, so I'm still doing the odd photo shoot with the 850 as well, and I'm, I'm working with the R5, but I love the silence of the mirrorless for wildlife. It's, it's not only when you're filming, because you can switch to video, and if, I mean, nobody was around me also filming in Newfoundland. It was just the two of us. But if Pilly picked up the 850 and started shooting here, it's surprisingly loud after all these years. And I'm noticing. Hold on. No, do that again because it's louder. <laughs> you can't just go. Yeah, it's, well, it's a shutter noise. <laughs> yeah, there but, you, go. you know, we're so used to it. <laughs> So after putting the, the mirrorless down, no matter what brand it is, and picking up the DSLR and going out with wildlife, and even in some areas where the wildlife um, is tolerant or habituated, they still dial in on it because it's such a weird, rapid sound. So that's one thing about the mirrorless set I am absolutely loving. And the animal eye tracking, you know, I, I've struggled with it at times. But when it starts, when I, um, for still photos on the R5, when I have the animal's eye to start with and it's moving fast, man, it's just amazing. It just, everything, it, it gets it all. And so to get those sequences. Did you notice a difference? Did you notice a difference between like the moose and elk? And then when you got out to Newfoundland with the lighter colored animals? Was it able to track better? Or you said you didn't really use it much in the... Yeah, the moose and elk in, in the, the Western Rockies, stuff. In the Rockies, I didn't get to play with it. You know, it was, um, so I was standing with Joe from the Nature uh, Nature Photography Guys podcast side by side, and the two of us were there, and this, this bull elk chased this cow about 50, 60 yards from us along this riverbank and kind of swept past us in this beautiful arc but not, not close to us, but simple, you know, with a one to 400 or one to 500 was well within range. And I had, this is when I had the faulty R5. Sometimes it would video for 10 seconds in error. Sometimes it would video for a minute in error. Of course, when the animals stood there and I was waiting for them to do something, no problem. This swept by water flying and beautiful scene and it errored. And it, so whatever's in the buffer doesn't get saved in that situation. And I know this is super, super rare. I don't know if anybody, I mean, I found it looking online what the Air 70 was, but you know. Oh yeah. There was a lot of videos when the, when it first got released, there were a ton of videos of people getting the air. Okay. So there were batches, I guess, of motherboards that were, that were failing. Okay. But that was early on. I haven't heard much about it until, until yours. Yeah. I hadn't heard anything. And, and Joe, um, Joe got that sequence in video 
and I didn't know he was doing video, but hats off to him. That was spectacular. So I didn't use the R5. At that point, it got put back in the in the backpack and not taken out again until, well, the one arrived, and, and then we swapped them out, and it wasn't until Newfoundland I really started. I had to go through the whole menu system again and all that, right? So it wasn't until the second trip that I, I started using it and trusting it to be a camera um, that would give results that I needed. So yeah, there wasn't anything for the Western trip from the R5 of any significance. So it was all action cam video or even cell phone. I mean, I, for B-roll stuff, for storytelling, the iPhone 12 with the two and a half times lens seems great. I love it. Um, I don't, I don't have the 13, but I think it's an even three times lens and crazy technology where this is going. It, uh, you know, we do these trips year after year to some of our favorite places for, for the images that we can collect, for the experiences that we can have, for the friendships we've developed of other people that will be there that we look forward to seeing. Well, sometimes it's also the animals that we have the, the privilege of experiencing year after year. And for the elk rut, there's a, uh, a bull elk that is now uh, incredible animal and I've photographed him for five or six years and it was funny part of this trip when I went in 2020 in September I showed up and he had been missing for a couple of days but when I showed up he appeared and went to this wallow and worked it and I didn't get any footage I took a couple of still photos and afterwards shook my head it's like you know he it was close enough the iPhone would have made some cool a video of it. Why didn't I do that as well? This is all about action. This is about video, not stills, this behavior. And I didn't have uh, something like the R5 and that incredible stabilization between the 100, 500 and that body. So I, I didn't get the video. Well, this year I show up in my first day. It took a little longer. It wasn't at the beginning of the trip, but that day, the same bull elk comes out of the bush and I follow him to the same wallow and I was able to film it with the iPhone and just the splashing, the sound, the Christmas at 4k that, yeah, that was a great Kickstarter to that trip. So you, uh, you did get some good stuff in the Rockies with the, the elk and moose, I'm sure. Yeah. And then, uh, when you moved out to the East coast, you were primarily focusing on caribou, correct? Well, yeah, I don't want to go East yet though. We got I have more we can talk about. <laughs> oh Yeah. We're only 27 minutes into today's podcast, if that. Um, it was The elk rut was a lot of fun this year because uh, the, the bull to cow ratio, and you know you never know how populations fare from one year to the next, but for whatever reason, there aren't as many cows in this region. And so the up-and-coming bull elk are maturing and made it a very active, very feisty uh, rut. So that was a lot of fun to document and more grizzlies this year too so i had the rare opportunity of a cub of the year with a sow i've never had that in the rockies in the fall uh, i've had a lot of that in the far north and other times a year out there but not in autumn so it was cool to document that with a bit of fall foliage and the moose rut was as good as ever and river crossings i mean it was fun to try and predict their movement and you know how many times can you be in the right spot when an animal crosses a, a river that we can't get into they're all all slippery big rocks fast moving water 
and to be on the right side of the light. So a lot of times we weren't when we saw it, and it's just forest, right? Right up to the edge in a lot of places. So it's hard to see where they're going to know for sure. And like I said, more times than not, they don't. But on a couple of occasions, the bull moose cross these rivers, and that's just a, a buffer challenge moment. That's a tremendous amount of fun. And again, this year, one of those situations where that's all about video. The stills are, are dramatic because you've got the movement, you've got the water, you can get the hooves up splashing, the background, some, some depth of field. But to get that on video, as Mr. Michael Morrow knows, is the game changer stuff. Because, I mean, when do you see that big an animal crossing a Rocky Mountain River with beautiful scenery? And I think it was maybe four years ago. It's been too long, Mike, but we were down on one of these rivers one day with uh, eagles that we did a YouTube video on for on the Wild and Exposed channel, talking about your pre-record on the red and all that fun. But so it was a challenge and, and fun to be in the right position. And once in a while, it worked out. Something different than filming moose in the far north is the amount of forest cover. Uh, when we get windows in the vegetation with some color it can be wonderful but it's not wide open country so we can't see them and document the behaviors as easily so we had a couple of tremendous moose fights this year and the audio when you hear them and the, the roaring i mean moose actually roar like a lion when they get really upset and it's show us how it sounds <laughs> everybody's heard a lion roar I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> fluent in moose, but you know that I, I could do it, but it'd be good for a chuckle. But it's, it's actually quite intimidating because they're such a big animal, and from behind the trees, you just hear this roar, and it's like, oh my! Even if they're 50 yards away, it's like that's, that's a big deal. So, but we couldn't document it because of all the forest and trees. You get a, a visual flash here and there, you'd see them, and of course, you don't want to be anywhere close to them in this situation because the loser's going to bolt and, the, and everybody's, they're both, you know, quite agitated at that state. But to hear it, you know, it's a great audio moment to be able to get, if you could, the sound of the antlers and the, and the, and the vocalizations before the fight and then the, after the fight when one roars. One situation, two bulls actually fought twice and between them, the loser roared and then went back for more. But it's uh, just one of the thrills of, of being out there and, and witnessing this stuff. And it doesn't have to be that dramatic in wildlife, but you certainly remember those those moments that are that intense. There was one bull moose that had been in a fight and actually snapped his whole antler off a few inches up from the base. And he was so um, charged up with testosterone that we saw him get in another fight in the trees, so we didn't witness it. We could hear it, and we saw the two bulls coming together. But he actually fought with one antler, and the whole time we're just cringing because we're wondering how does a bull moose fight with one antler, and what does he look like at the end of it? And he lost, of course, and he came busting through the trees uh, about 80 yards from us. He roared, <laughs> limping me away, and I, um, he survived it. But, yeah, to, to think that they would still fight with one antler... Um, amazing did you record that with your iphone just to get the audio of that roar i have some of it and i i have i think i have a little clip of him as he ran out of the bush uh, and i don't know if he's because that'd be cool to interject here because i'm trying to think of all the moose that i've shot 
I, I can hear him whine. You know, I'll hear a big bull moose whine just like a cow. Okay. Especially when they just like, no, I don't want to fight. I'm oh, standing yeah, here and yeah. I'm going to leave right. you alone and I'm going to whine, whine, mm-hmm. whine, whine. But I don't know that I've ever heard. Maybe I that's why I really want to hear it now and just see if it's something that I've it's, heard. I've only heard it. So if you have one, send it, and I'll just put it in the I'll podcast. See, I'll see if it does. It, if you yeah. have some roar. It's, I've only heard it four or five times in all of the years. You know, I've seen moose fight and not do it. but And I've seen them. There was one time in Alaska, right near dark, there were two tremendous mind-blowing bulls that came out and... One of them I posted on Instagram a few times. He's got a, a really red background, and he's facing, and he has stuff in his um, in his brows. It looks like he's been a bulldozer. But he came out, and he, like, roared over at the other one and then went into the trees. There's a little meadow. He went into the trees over the other one, and there's another roar, and then they didn't fight. But it's, it seems to be when they're extremely agitated, the bulls. But it, it makes sense. I mean, it just sounds like it. And it makes it makes you literally take a, a step back and go, whoa, this is so. I mean, they're, they're what's the right word? I mean, they're, they, they've got a, in, quite a presence already, given their size, right? Deserve a lot of, of respect and, and space. I've never heard it either. And I was really curious about it. And that's when I'm wondering how many people may have thought they've heard that and thought it was Bigfoot, you know? So. <laughs> well, there's a squatch in those woods. Yeah, maybe if the moose doesn't come out, maybe it was Bigfoot, you know, getting the moose. We had a, another day. So here's something as a, as a professional. This, this, and I say that in the sense that I, I've been exposed to a lot of exciting situations and I'm very grateful for over the decades. But the passion never wanes. The excitement never wanes. It's like a little kid when stuff happens as far as the excitement. And it's that focus to keep it together to get the results, whether it's stills or video, get set up, get in the right side, watch the animal and play it smartly. Well, I'll tell you a story where I messed up and it, ah, it's still a head shaker. It's inevitable. We all do. You can't, as much as we understand animals and all the elements, you know, it's, we're, we're not psychic and we can't predict everything, but we were, on this hillside and there's a bend in the river and this is the moose rut in in the rockies and i saw it's just pilly and i at this point and i saw this bullet and a cow in the river on a bend in a gorgeous spot probably 500 yards from where we were so i hurriedly made my way to them there's uh, uh, a trail through the forest that was safe to go on down near the river i get to the river i'm still on the same side as them and i look and i could see where they were standing in the river but there was going to be no photo ops because the vegetation the trees stuck out too far covered them there was no clear spot unless they were going to cross it and it didn't look like they were so in my excitement knowing this could be very momentary to get the two in the river and and if the right angle would provide an incredible backdrop I moved away and did a big circle and hurriedly went around them to get on the right side. But because of the noise of the river, what I didn't plan out, and in hindsight is 2020, in other situations, 
if it wasn't for the volume of, of the water, the sound going by, it probably would have been fine. You know, in a situation like this, I always want the animals to know my presence. There's no point in surprising them. And that I did surprise them in this case because I'd circled around and I came out in the clearing and they didn't hear me coming. And I was not close, but it, when the cow moose saw me, she exited the river in a hurry. It was only 10 feet, stood on the bank, and the bull followed her, and it ended the photo op. So if I had been more cautious that way and just given them more time, or had popped out in a, further down even, right, which risked them stepping out, but had gone another 100 yards down the river so that would see me come up the river, it was a bit tough due to the hillside, but that would have made it work. But as, you know, Pilly tried to console me that morning, you just, you know, you never know exactly what's going to happen. You have to keep your safe distance. But that photo never, never came to fruition. But the second part of this story was this tending pair then went up this mountain hillside in the forest. And it was old growth, beautiful habitat, albeit a little dark compared to the beautiful river view. And so we paralleled them about 80 yards away up the hill until they went all the way to the top. They had to go all the way to the top, right? And then they laid down. And so we spent the day in the forest filming and just in sitting in their company, which was magical and, and great and provided some pretty cool images of, <clears throat> there was a, enough of a window in the forest to get photos of the two of them together laying there in, in this old growth. So that was a fun conclusion to that experience where Mark's youthful enthusiasm kind of blew it. You're right, though. It happens to everybody, and you just never know. You can't you can't hit every one of those situations just right. No, and it's just being out there. There's so many elements, right? And we it's a fun, fun challenge to try and wrap your head around them all and try to get it right. And when it, when it lines up, I have a story from Newfoundland where it, it lined up and it's like a hallelujah. Can't talk about that. We're not moving to the <laughs> east yet. <laughs> All right, so I have another, I have another elk story. I have, I have the, the most fun elk story of the trip that was, um, yeah, it was a spontaneous moment in, in the sense. And this was a fun one where we were all, we found this magnificent bull elk. He was tending a cow. Long story short, he was in a fight and lost the cow. So then he went on walkabout back to where he left his harem, the rest of the cows. And it was probably two kilometers, a mile and a half, but it was around this lake. And there was one trail that circled the shore of this lake. And being photographers, we don't want pictures of elk butts. So we go ahead of the bull elk when we see where he's going. And we keep about 50 or 60 yards ahead. And he just keeps going around this lake. I mean, we weren't, didn't know his, his intention at the time. But so he took us for, a, it was a friendly walk. He was just walking. We were just walking. Safe distance, no issues. Around this beautiful lake on and on and on we went because it's all in the forest well two-thirds of the way around this lake there was an opening on the shoreline and a little point that went out about 30 or 40 yards a grassy point 
didn't think of it, couldn't see it coming. We walked across it and we just thought, paused for a moment, like, what if, what if he went out there? I mean, how many times do you see that situation? You dream it up, you fantasize about it, and the animal just keeps walking or goes the other way or just doesn't happen. Well, on cue, the bull gets to this point, hangs the left and walks beautifully right out onto this grassy point. And at that point, it, it was it was so refreshing because I was it was warm, I was I was I was hot, and I ran right into the water at a distance. I mean, didn't run. I walked quickly into the water. Don't want to startle him. Moved into the water up to my knees. Now I had just uh, hiking shoes on, so everything's cool. But it felt so awesome. And he went out to this point, and I was able to pivot and squat down so that my camera handheld i was shooting the 850 on the two to 500 at this time i was holding it like an inch above the water to get as low of perspective as i could the elk bugled on this point and the backdrop is just a rocky mountain vista so i crank up the aperture a bit the the light was beautiful the color of the water was beautiful it was like one of those moments where it's i cannot believe this is happening he bugled then he drank, and it was uh, actually I got to take a step back. I held the camera about six inches above the water, and but I, it's just phenomenal experience. And and why I held it six inches above the water and was one of the questions that Dave Rothwell asked the Wild and Exposed for podcast that I recorded on video was where do you keep your memory cards when you're shooting? Now typically they're in my pack or in a chest pocket, but on that day, they were in my uh, pocket on my thigh and my pants. So the folding thing of all my memory cards is in there. So I had to squat above the water to keep my leg, that part of my thigh, above the water. If I didn't have those, I would have been able to drop six more inches and just knelt right into the sandy bottom. It was a, like a beachy area. It was beautiful. Easy access. But I couldn't go that low. So Dave, in his, in his great humor, asked that about... Uh, where we keep those so that's a live and learn what are the odds what do you expect you're going to get wet up to your waist when you're shooting but memory cards no longer go in the pants for sure but the but that situation was incredible the bull then drank and then stepped into the lake and swam across it because it was maybe 150 yards across the far shore and when you looked at the lake, it made total sense. This is the shortest path for him to get back to the females. Instead of going the rest, the last third of the lake, just go right across here, and then he's back at the girls. But it was the experience, yeah. It was one of those things where you could never see it coming. We just walked and walked and walked and walked with this bull, maybe get nothing, and then something magical happened. We had a similar experience in Newfoundland. I'm not sure. But I can't talk about that yet. Who it was, but... Somebody uh, somebody posted that on social media, on Instagram. Somebody got a video of you in the water. I think we did. And they do. Did you? I think so. I, 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 yeah. I, well, I know you didn't film it because it was you in the water. No, pill- <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's this new amazing hover phone that you can just leave hanging in the air. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it was, Pilly was back on the shore with the iPhone. So she, mm-hmm. she did that. I, I, yeah, that was a pretty cool scene. I think it was a, I don't, I think we put it in a story. 
Instagram yeah, story. It, it was in a story. I think. Yep. But maybe maybe someone else I posted it. I couldn't remember who posted as, it. As, as humor, too. I, I don't know. I don't know. Was Joe Desjardins with you? Uh, no. No. Uh, Joe was in the one earlier with the, the I mentioned when the R5 didn't work with the bull and cow running on the river. But no, he wasn't with us that time. Yeah. So what so, did you say about the cards in your pants? What was that quote? Well, not to put the cards in your pants. Put them up higher. Because I mean, what are the odds or, that you're going to be having to go waist deep in water? But it can happen. In this situation, I'm just searching for. I, I'm smelling a T-shirt coming. Out of this. <laughs> okay. Take. Do put the cards in your pants. Don't put the cards in your pants. Uh, there's something there. Just keep thinking keep, about it. Keep, keep your you, keep your pants. You know they they free. have these. Uh, they have these newfangled card holders that are water and airtight. Yes. Yeah. And, and they're Ziploc bags. And not very too. expensive. Right. Yeah. Or, or bags. No. <laughs> they're, uh, they're like a, a Pelican case. Sure. For your, for your cards. Well. For your and cold case gear. Cold case gear. Um, they've got a waterproof, dustproof case as well. Actually sending one up to you in uh, Canada. Right on. Should be there in within the next six weeks or something, however long the Postal Service takes to get it up there. It shouldn't shouldn't take that long, but you never know. Yeah. So can I tell one more Western story? Yeah. This was a fun little thing that's not elk or moose, but for B-roll, we were filming different situations. You only can if you promise to send me pictures that I could put in this video <laughs> podcast of everything you're talking about. I'll try. I'll try. The as long as you've got it documented. The this is this was fun because of the weather in the mountains and how weather can change light and how it can look like in the mountains a rainstorm is brewing and coming that's gonna just last the rest of the day, but an hour later the sun's back out. It's the magical weather of the mountains on those days when it's variable. Now, what's cool about this, and most photographers who spent time in the mountains have seen this, is the percentage of rainbows that you see in these situations. And, of course, it creates a beautiful landscape of the rainbow. So we were filming. I was just filming clouds developing and going past mountaintops in time-lapse mode for B-roll. Loving that time-lapse effect, putting different segments in for YouTube content, different types of footage. Well, Pilly had this great idea. And this is where, where teams come from, right? You know, I'm focused on these mountains. She's like, what if you put this in a place and film the time-lapse before the rainbow started? And then the rainbow came in the time-lapse and then disappeared. I was like, no, that, that, no. That, that that could be, you know, how do you pick the spot? That's, but it's like, yeah, let's let's try it. So we, we were at the end of this road with this beautiful lake and we could see weather coming in and we had picked up these little blocks. She was called them yoga blocks, I guess. I put them on the hood of the van we'd rented. And in this case, we we're just using the iPhone, which again, the time-lapse for, for social media stuff's phenomenal and actually no we also had an action camera out doing a different view of the same thing if we had michael morrow's 
umbrella for the camera. We could have done it with a tripod, but this is how we set it up. And it worked where we let it film time-lapse for like half hour, 40 minutes, and the rainbow appeared and then disappeared. So it's, yeah, that was fun. I mean, it's a whole other frame of mind to be in. Than, and you've got that? You know, I think... You've got that for no, YouTube? No, I think I do. I, yeah, we did a lot of it. So I, I, I haven't, you know, it's funny because <laughs> we did this, we were talking about doing this podcast, and it's always best to do it when a trip is fresh and as awesome as that experience was it was um a while ago now because of how long we were in newfoundland it's like another chapter it's going back to another book so i'm pretty confident we we got it as i'm describing and um but i haven't looked oh you haven't looked at it yet i haven't you know i've got back from newfoundland and i have downloaded and waded through all that content because it was fresh and the most exciting newest material i haven't got back into the rockies yet i haven't had time but mm. i'm 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 sure it's there because that's that's what we did and it was it was fun it was just neat to try and predict that you know and it happens frequently enough it seems when you have a variable day with these systems going through so quickly that and it's again one of those situations where the more cameras the better you know it's the whole more action cameras. Mm -hmm. That's something I, I upped my game on this year is having more of them with me because as our my good friend Eric Brewer, two years ago, I had one action camera and until the end of the trip, he was calling it my no action camera because I always pointed it in the wrong, the wrong spot for the animals <laughs> to be, but got it at the end of that trip. But it's a lot easier with more than one. So it's a whole multiple presentation, increase your odds business. So taking a little taking a little segue there, since you were talking about having additional action cameras, uh, Osmo finally came out with the uh, Osmo Action Two. It's a little bit more expensive, but it is magnet. It's got a magnetic case, so you can just throw it on the hood of your car, go drive down the road, and get that footage. You don't have to worry about a mount, nothing like that, as long as you trust the magnet. But I know you you liked or seem to like the uh, Osmo more than the GoPros. So I was, yeah, when that thing came out here, what, a week and a half ago or so, I was going to send you the link because it looks pretty intriguing. I've, I've watched a lot of YouTube content on it and reviews, and it, it does look intriguing. The, the thing that excites me most about it, and not that I'm displeased with the color of the action at all, but one of the reviewers... Uh, said that it's much the colors are much better whatever that means because mm -hmm. it was fine to begin with from my books but anything to improve this i mean the rate it's such a different time right i mean for years and years and years very little changed in in photography like there'd be a new body come out but the rate of change of technology now i mean it's so exciting it's and crazy. so expensive right because oh this is way better and so the action to mm -hmm is such a cool little cube so tiny so effective the magnet magnetic components if you're working in anywhere that has metal surfaces the ease of application to put that up um yeah it's phenomenal there i i need to research it there were one or two things that made me hesitate ordering one i did order more osmo actions 
late this summer because they were down to a couple hundred dollars and still highly reviewed and, and competitive mm-hmm. in, in the GoPro world, considered equivalent to the GoPro 8, I think. Um, so for the price point, again, with putting them in front of animals and having them, whatever happened to them, it's a little easier to take. But I think they're all durable. The, the Action 2 has built has a built-in memory so you have to so you get the extension cube that mm-hmm. magnet uh, magnetically attaches with yeah the but you have to have that second one right yeah. to to charge and yep. to have a micro sd card in it and then you also have the front facing screen to complement the back facing screen but it's still a tiny unit with the two of those mm-hmm. together um i saw one guy attach it to a drone and was loving what it was doing on the drone for footage yeah now mind you they just came out with a new drone this week so i don't know what that means as far as comparing those but they're fun fun little devices to use for all kinds of situations and it's not okay the action 2 is submersible but it's not submersible with the attachment on it unless you buy a separate housing for it from what i've heard too but the actual initial cube is which is fine. You don't need the other one if you're going underwater, obviously. For the amount of memory, it doesn't mm-hmm. have a huge micro SD in the actual body of the camera. I forget what it was. I think it's 64 gig. So that was one um, one thing that one of these content creators was saying, wish, you know, this could it be 128, could be 256, just to give it a little more uh, time. But again, if you buy the, the attachment mm-hmm. with it, it, it covers that. So it'd be fun to play with. Yeah, it's just like something coming in all the time, right? That, I mean, yeah, it's one after the other, right? R three, the, the Z nine, it's just hits uh, information on that, and the pre order list looks monstrous on that. But then, you know, we're Canon's already starting to mention hints about the R one. Jason has one on order. I'll bet. I do not. Matter of fact, I'm going to let you take my copy of the R three. <laughs> so, <laughs> why is that? I'm just gonna hold off. I think the R one's the right the right call. I've got two R fives. I don't need to. I don't really see the benefit of the R three at this point for what I do and what I focus on. But I mean, it's an amazing camera. I'm not. I'm excited about it. But I I can't go backwards on megapixels. It's killing me. <laughs> so, but I I would assume Mark has a Z nine. <laughs> Oh, you know, you know, it's hilarious because I was, I was. That was the big question when you were missing. We were, we had a pool. Is Mark going to have the Z9? <laughs> I've thought about it and, and I almost did it. And I, I called, <laughs> I called my retailer that day, that morning. And I was in Newfoundland. I saw the specs coming out, the news flashes, the news reels all over. It's like, oh, it's all the information's finally here. So I called him and I said, I could be. I could be your first, right? He's like, oh, absolutely, Mark. You could be the first. You know, if if I decide to do this, I was really excited about it. Then I went that night. I had time to devour about two hours of YouTube on reviews because there were people who had it in hand. Uh, Jared Poland, Frono's photo, loved his energy, his skill set, his his career. To me, he's very informative and he's got a great sense of humor. He covered it. Mm-hmm. And after watching these, there, there still, it still could be, I mean, it's obviously going to be a big jump up for Nikon. Uh, 
but I think his summary was something along the lines, he was he loved it, and welcome back to the game, Nikon. This camera puts them back in the game. But from what I gather, doesn't necessarily raise the bar. It does for Nikon and puts them back on par. And there's certainly some aspects of the Z9 that are new. Um, but it, it did away with, was it the shutter altogether? No, no, that's not what it was. So is that what it was? Yep, yep. No, no mechanical no shutter mechanical, at all, which, right? is the, which is the first mirrorless to do that. So yeah. that's really cool, and and I remember him saying something about how quickly there's a, a when you change lenses, there's something that closes and protects the sensor uh, from the elements and everything, and and how effective that was from his use of it. But I was still the R five has that as well. Yeah, I haven't taken it off the lens, so that's cool. It's, it's got that curtain. That, okay. Yeah. So I was thinking that day of ordering it. After watching the YouTube, I was still wading through the R5 menu. And this is something, you know, I, I'll i totally admit. I mean, once I have gear that I like to use and have learned it, it's like second nature. But I don't personally like learning it if it's different. If I struggle with that to some degree. And the mirrorless menu systems, holy moly, there's so much fine-tuning you can do. And there were so many things I got wrong to start with on them, even watching some of the YouTube channels, because some of them have different opinions and different. So when the Z9 was announced, I still was on the fence with the R5. I'm like, well, this is easy, except it's, you know, two or three months away if production is delivered, right? There's some, there. I think I read an article this week, they're estimating 400,000 pre-orders and Nikon is hoping to produce 35,000 cameras. Oh, I don't know the time frame. I don't know if it was, this is terrible, a week or a month. Anyway, it was going to take a period of time to get them delivered. That's a tremendous quantity. I mean, obviously good for the company. So it wasn't going to happen right away. So I decided to keep working the R5 and I have, and the more I use it, the more I love it. And the, one of the things is still the kit. I know the, the 1 to 5 pushes out to 7.1 aperture, but it's so small. It's, it, it's you know, with switching uh, brands or tools, and I, I like to think of it as any, any contractor, you know, that goes and gets a new tool for whatever they're using. They have to learn it. It's a device. I, the fact the lens turns the opposite direction is probably one of my biggest adjustments all the time because you don't want to you're filming video and if you want to zoom in or zoom out say oh oh wrong way again you know start clip but so there's that adjustment but yeah i i i'm i'm loving what the r5 is doing at the moment and because that kit is so small and so user-friendly for size how can you beat that now i know this is a tempting thing Nikon announced the 1 to 400, uh, was it 4.5 to 5.6, the same day as the Z9. So it's like, okay, there you go. That's smart because it's a similar sized kit, albeit 100 millimeters less, but not as not as uh, much compromise with the f-stop. So anyway. I, you can go into the menu, Mark, and you can go into the menu and switch that focus ring so it's it's more natural for you. On the RF lenses, you can switch it or reverse them. 
Yeah, he's not talking about the focus ring, though. He's talking about the zoom. zoom. Sorry, if I said focus, I oh, meant, gotcha. I meant zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, that's that's good to know as well. Which I wish you could switch that because I had the same problem, Mark. <laughs> well, it's rewiring our mind, right? And what we're used to, our motor skills. It's mm, forever. Yeah. It's always been that one way. Now it's got to be the other way. And I use both hands. You know, we did a, a little short on that in in uh, Kenai a couple of years ago. It was just faster if I turn mm-hmm. one hand left, one hand right. I can make that zoom happen in a blink of an eye, trying to dial it with one. So that's all flipped around. But the the eye tracking is, uh, yeah, I'm loving it. I got. I think I got a little bit of lag because I'm in a hotel room. So I apologize, guys, but. Hey, real quick, Mark, on the, I thought Jared Pullen hit it, the nail on the head, and I feel the same way. After watching that video and understanding what the Z9's bringing to the table, if the Z9 would have come out a year ago, I would probably still be shooting Nikon right now. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. And that was it. I, yeah. But now I think I'm too far gone. Well, it's not, not gone. You've just, you're using different tools, right? And what's, but you're, keeps, right, it's the same thing. Keeps buying $15,000 lenses. He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, yeah I, sure. I, I was one of the last holdouts for Nikon. I, I, you know, I wanted to stay Nikon, but I wasn't going to compromise another fall season and not have the ability to easily shoot video handheld, have that and all these components. There's so many elements that, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's simply that. It's, it's too late. So I, I hope, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the R1 is about, and I'm learning Canon. I'm learning the different, the different setups, the hardware, uh, and uh, some of the action buttons and, and setting them to where I like them, it's all of it. But just to customize, custom, custom, what's the right word, guys? Customability? Custom, how do you say that? Customization. Customization. Of, of these cameras is... Yeah, it's serious business to get it dialed in. But, you know, every step along the way, it, it just improves the game that much. It's it's like a new, a new day of excitement when you figure out, oh, well, when I figure it, I was doing that wrong. That sucks. But now I'm doing it right, and it is that much better. So, fun stuff. That, that... Hey, Mark, what... What are your What are your thoughts on the files and how they compare with your Nikon files? I'm curious. That's a future podcast. He doesn't edit till the spring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I have not I have not got into them yet, so they're all backed up, and I've I've looked at a lot of the videos because that's what I use the R5 for mostly, and uh, and some stills lately. Another couple weeks, I'll have an answer for that. The memory card's crazy, right? I mean, I think the uh, XQD mm-hmm. card I was shooting my 850 was still 64 gig. I had a couple of 128 fast SD cards. In the R5, I went and bought a two terabyte um, Delkin. Whoo! But seriously, I mean, it was expensive. Two terabyte? Yeah, two terabyte. I got a two terabyte and then two 512s. Holy moly. But the two 512s I sh- were ordered right at the beginning. I, I kind of wish I hadn't. I should have just got two two terabyte ones but it's it's expensive but when you think about how much is on that card that cf express card 
you know, to go from 64 128 to 2,000 gigabytes, that's that's where this stuff just keeps cranking, right? But if you're going to shoot 4K or 8K video as well as you know the raw images, yeah, it's got to be fast. Don't wanna even out. even slow motion on that camera, you got to have that CF Express. Yeah. You you can't shoot it on a V60 um, SD card. You can shoot it on the V90 SD card, but those are almost as expensive to buy as the CF Express if you're looking at them. So you might as well just have the CF Express. And yeah, the only thing that scares me about having a big one like that is when the card fails, because they all do, then you're you're forking out a lot. But I hope that doesn't happen. It would be nice to have that much memory, especially for video. Yeah. And I download it every day. Yeah, it'll. Be, I mean, they're durable. Yeah, exactly. The reputation is good. But yeah, that's unless a, you put them in the water. Unless you, you kneel, yeah. Yeah, 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 go for a swim. Yeah, always, your ziplock comes open and they float right. away. There's always some risk. <laughs> so on. Uh, I just love hearing you guys talk about this because I can't wait till you start having problems with memory. Well, that's my next topic. The uh, storage. So I've got sitting here on my desk, I've got 28 terabyte drives. Mm -hmm. 20. And that is just, that's this, this, this year wow. from shooting. So you guys are talking about two terabytes. You start shooting two terabytes, two terabytes, two terabytes. Yeah, that's serious. Then all of a sudden it's like, holy moly, what do I do? And I'm at a loss. I don't know. This what guy to better, I will better tell sell you what some to do. stuff. I mean, sell some, Re some images and video. Rebuild your freaking... Yeah, well, rebuild your paper, library. But there's not a place, there's no solution out there that makes sense. That There is no possible way to store all this stuff like in one spot if you continue to shoot. I just can't figure out how to, you know, someone will call up and say, hey, can I get some footage of this? And it's, I can't go just to one place. It's spread out throughout all these drives and you know, I have it all cataloged. It's relatively quick still, but it just doesn't seem user friendly. It's it's hard. I have picked up a forty eight terabyte RAID tower, but that's you know that's like step one. You can so you get to fill up that card twenty four times. And right, you're done. If that happens, then what? You're right. It's yeah. That's that's a future mark problem at this point in time. But I hear you. I, I hear you. I did. On that on that subject, I did. Or, I mean, the laptop I'm recording this on, my MacBook Pro, is a 2013, so it's lasted. And well, I ordered the new one. It's coming tomorrow or the next day, uh, and I waited this long. But the this and I watched last night, just for my bedtime story on YouTube, some reviews of of the new MacBook Pro 16 inch, and it it seems what everybody it seems like the right medicine for handling these high-res codecs and one guy was running six or even maybe more streams of 4k simultaneously without any hiccups so i'm excited to get that to be able to work with the r5 high high quality video and actually be able to edit it because what i have right now between this and my imac my imac's uh three and a half years old it's not going to be happy camper plugging this stuff in so there's that as well, but it's exciting to move along with it, with the technology, the higher, the higher resolution video, and then to be able to deal with that. But there's all these learning curves. It's keeping us young, right, Ron? All this, how do you figure out 
all the tech side of it. I mean, this guy has been doing video like crazy this year. And they're still trying to figure out how to pay for it. Yeah. There's that, there's <laughs> that side of it. Yeah. It's not that the MacBook pro is not cheap, <laughs> yeah. but for serious content creators and I, I'm looking forward to seeing the new screen. Mm -hmm. It's, it's highly touted as well. So hopefully that will make, that's supposed to Jason's be more like the iMac. Four hundred two eight. Pardon? Yeah, got it. He got it free from Precision Camera for spending fifty seven thousand this year. <laughs> I missed what you said. He. Uh, did you hear that, Mike? <laughs> did you hear that, Mike? Let's work something out. <laughs> hey, while we want to continue on with Mark because you got your whole Eastern side to talk about, but since we're talking about Precision Camera, let's just throw this little thing in here because. I was talking with Mike today, and I was like, hey, this last promo that we had is no fun. It's not a fun one to, to promote. So give me some something juicy. So he came up with, or together we came up with it. And you know what the problem is? is supply this year is such a question mark for all these retailers because they're like, ah, we think we're going to have stock, but we're not sure. So we got to really kind of figure out where... You know, because he doesn't want to have people mad that, oh, hey, I was going to give you this deal on this thing, but guess what? I don't have any. And there's no way to know whether you're going to have them or not. So we tried to stay away from all that. But one thing that he does have is, so he basically told me, he said, let's do, they have, they carry think tank bags. So are you, you guys, I know Mark, you have a think tank, and I Love don't know it. about Ron and Jason, if you have like a yep, I do. think tank of some sort. So they have think tank bags and then the SKB hard cases. So it's just a typical hard case, waterproof, many different sizes. He's going to offer 20% off of those two products from now until the end of the year for wild and exposed listeners. So it just takes a coupon code and that is case CASE2021. So I was talking to him, and I used the airport security, which is a roller bag that I know will fit on certain planes that I'm flying on, and I know I can get all my gear, and it'll fit a 600 F4 or 400 2.8 and some bodies, and all that fits in it, and it goes in the overhead compartment. It'll even fit on a, the Embraer 175, which is a smaller jet, but the, that case will actually fit in there. So it's kind of cool, and that bag alone is like 420 bucks. So you look at 20% off of that, it's like 80 bucks off. So not a bad little promotion. So if anybody's in the market for yourself or for some sort of a gift, 20% off of those two you know, solutions, whether it's a hard case or a soft case, is a pretty, pretty smoking deal. And he said it, the only caveat was it has to be in stock. You can't special order anything because he has plenty of stock. So if it's on the website... You're going to get 20% off. That's fantastic. And those SK cases have a think tank inserts in them now. So you can kind of customize it like you have for your, your Pelicans. I forget what yeah, that's that called, but yeah, the Trek pack, they have the same thing. It's more like, you know, the roller bags where you've got just the Velcro, but you can customize those unless you want the foam. Well, that airport security thing that I have is, I have three of them and I have them all configured differently and video and stills and it's what I use on every trip when I'm on a plane. 
just because you can pack so much stuff into it. And then, I, and then on like on this last trip, I packed my camera backpack into my check-on bag and just packed it full of clothes mm-hmm. just so I had that. Because it's not, it does have backpack straps, but it's not very comfortable. It's not something you want to walk around in the woods with as far as a backpack. But if, if you had to, you know, if you didn't want to pull, like if you ended up somewhere where you're going to have to roll that bag across gravel or something, you could always strap it on your back. And mm-hmm. For a short ways, it'd be fine. So pretty sweet little promotion. I was happy to, to get that. We were looking at cards because I was hoping we could uh, do something on media. I was like, hey, can we do some sort of deal on Delkin? Because I was <laughs> like, hmm, I'd sure like to get a couple more two terabyte cards. But he just wasn't sure about um, he's got them in stock now. But he's like, it's just such a wild card. And he didn't want to end up doing some sort of promotion that would disappoint people. That's a great one. It's so crazy down here this year. It's going to be really interesting with all the supply and how they get all these ships unloaded and how they distribute product. Not just cameras, it's everything in the U.S. Yeah, here too. All right, so now let's go to the East Coast, if you're done with the West My think tank backpack, I've carried it everywhere for the last four years. In the field, across the tundra, and it's an airporter, so it fits in all the carry-on. Uh, size no no issues that way no complaints at all i just you know i set it down on the tundra and off i go if i'm if i'm filming or pilly take anyway it's, it's been a fantastic backpack and it's it's just a generic black too which is cool i mean it's nondescript for going through airports and stuff even though it's packed with all this camera gear and one soon to be super sexy macbook pro not sponsored by apple yet come on apple where are you okay Want to roll in? I'm jealous that you're getting that one. That's awesome. Yeah, well, it's due, right? The fact that this one has lasted for eight years and it's still clicking, but there are times, you know, one of the summaries of the YouTube YouTuber I watched last night was how much faster it is, how much time it'll save for exporting, for anything. And I'll tell you, this... As, as functional as this one has been for me all these years, when we were on these trips and I was downloading memory cards and moving stuff, it's just so tedious. To have something that will expedite that, man, I can't wait to save that time. So, that's, yeah, we got the, I went, I mean, I went a little silly future-proofing. It got the 8 terabyte solid state, but that gives us lots of space, right, to work with. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. You did step up. Spec that baby out. Well, if it if it nice lasts work. for years, it's a business tool. It's something we need, and especially. No, you're gonna need a new one next, next year. year. No, that's not happening next year. Yeah, because the deal is, is you you donate the one you're getting mm-hmm. tomorrow to Jason. Oh, I thought no. Yes, I thought we talked about that. <laughs> Jason was thinking one. about ordering one last time we it was discussed. Not yet. Yeah, you're not. You're still. Yeah. Uh, and then and yeah, and then I ordered the four hundred. Oh, so that, I missed that. So I so. I got the lab and I thought I heard four hundred two eight. You ordered the four hundred two eight. Wee. Yeah. Yeah, Mister six hundred four slash four hundred two eight slash two R five. It's a good thing you're. It's good that you're a big guy, so you're gonna have your think tank on your back and your front with all the gear. Yeah. That's right. That's right, and I do have the I do have that Think Tank bag, and I love it. It's it's a great bag. So. Going around four hundred two eight. How much fun will that be? We'll see. I, I'm getting 
it's it's uh, it's here and ready for me, so I've just got to get home so I can pick it up. But, oh, it is. You got it, or right. you're getting it. It's it's available available for me to go pick up. Yes. So. Wow. Is yep. it killing you so. to sit there? Yep. <laughs> it is killing me. I want to be home. <laughs> but. Wow, that's good. I look forward to seeing that depth of field. So what you all want to do if you're shooting cannon, you want to become friends with Jason because he can't use two at the same time. You know, we were we were in, I didn't, hadn't messed with the 100 to 500, and we were in, uh, I had the cannon, but I didn't have any, or I had the R5, but I didn't have any lenses. And Jason kept saying, well, just use the 100 to 500. I'm just using my 500. And he said that for probably three days, but he never took it out of the bag and offered it. He just kept saying it. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Well, that's awesome. Congrats. I look forward to hearing hearing what you think of it. I mean, if your pictures weren't good enough already, that shallow depth of field, I don't know. Yeah, I I honestly, that's why I did it. I think it's a game changer. I think that 2.8 really does make a difference. Um, and I, I've always tried to pretend like it doesn't, but I really think it does. So, Big time. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think I'm going to be happy with it. Yeah, you know, I had shooting the other day, and people were giving me a hard time about still using the 200 to 400 f4. And I'm like, I am not going to switch until I'm not. I don't want a straight up 400. I'm not. I can't. I don't like that. I don't want the 600. I want another 200 to 400 in the RF. Right. I want right. I want the next lighter version. If they take that lighter technology that they've got in the in the primes and transition it to that lens, I will sell I've been hanging on to this extra kidney for quite a while. <laughs> and I will put that baby on the market. Well, I'd let the bidding wars begin. <laughs> <laughs> yep. A positive. Got, yeah. That's where we'll start. We can open bids now because it's going to happen. Oh, I, I don't. All right. Let's get to. Let's go to Newfoundland. I don't know. I, before this gets be a good way place out of hand. To end and we'll start Newfoundland later. But yeah, that's. What a, what a good place to wrap it up. Ron's offering. That actually is a good place because we're in a, like an hour and 20 minutes already just on this one. You've been listening to the Wild and Exposed podcast. If you haven't yet, please give us a rating and a review. And make sure you're subscribed so that you'll get every episode we produce as soon as we drop it. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We're gonna make it someday. Nothing's gonna get in our way. We will be the biggest band in town.